0: financial advisor,
1: Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors and welcome back to invest talk. This is our Wednesday, January 25th, 2023 edition. And we're moving through the fourth trading week of the year. Yeah, we're, we're almost at the end of the first month. It goes by fast, doesn't it folks? Well, you are here to try to gain some perspective, some data. And hopefully some discipline so that you can consistently make good decisions with your money. And in today's ever-changing world, ever-changing market, it's important to keep updated on what's happening in the global economy uh, in different sectors. Just look at what's happening with chat GTP and how that's going to impact the tech sector. What about geopolitics, China and Russia, but also domestically? We have a lawsuit against Google and uh, a anti-monopoly lawsuit. How's that going to affect it? Then you have a slowing global economy, and that means some companies are slowing more than others. We had Microsoft with earnings after the belly yesterday. Tough reaction in the markets for the most part. And then Tesla after hours. Okay? So we're in the midst of earnings season. So that's all uh, vital as well as not just what happened in the fourth quarter, but what are these companies seeing for 2023? Because ultimately that is most important. Investors, markets, they look through the windshield when they're investing, not through the rear view mirror. And so that's what we are here to help you do. What does the landscape look like in front of us for the market as a whole, for the economy, for different sectors? So that's what I'm here to help you do is help keep your strategy pop- properly balanced for all the risks. Let's go into all your investments with your eyes wide open. One of the biggest mistakes I see investors make is being dogmatic, right? Falling in love with a stock. You never want to fall in love with a stock. That means that you are not looking at the other side. And that's the surest way to make bad decisions is by not balancing risk versus reward. And that's what this is all about. Putting the odds in your favor. A lot of people think, Investing in the stock market is gambling. They they uh, they make it seem that way, but it's not. And you know that based on the numbers. Gambling, the house always wins. In the investment world, investors who make solid, sound decisions, they win more often than not. Not every time. You're never always going to be right. But it's about applying the right principles so that once again, the odds are in your favor. So if you're trying to put the odds in your favor, you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here on today's radio program and podcast to help you develop portfolio strategies and make good, consistent decisions with your hard-earned capital. So I look forward to this hour on Invest stock hearing your finance and investment questions. The phone lines are always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 888 chart But if you're listening live during our four to five live stream hour, you can call and get online talking to us right away. Now my focus point concerns the story. What do you need to know about real estate funds, private REITs versus, or, and REIT, right? The Blackstone REIT that's been in the news lately. So we're gonna look at the pluses and minuses of alternative REITs and their counterpart, real estate mutual funds. Now, time permitting, I'll dig into some other topics as well. One is the dollar. Our geopolitical concerns and wins shifting the prospects of the dollar longer term. We're gonna look at that. Also, the government thinks it's paying too much for Medicare. What does that mean for health insurers going forward? And then lastly, if we have time, time permitted. We're gonna look at how Wall Street's making money these days. They always try to find ways to make money. It's businesses down in general, but Wall Street tends to be able to ratchet up parts of their business while other parts of their business might suffer. So we're gonna look at those numbers as well. Now we have some voice paint questions to play as well. One one is on the DFA US target value portfolio and hack, which is the ET FMG prime cybersecurity ETF. So I've got this all planned for this episode of invest talk. And of course, most importantly, your live calls at eight 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 ninety nine chart Let's take a look at the market today. We had the S and P that was uh, down a little less than one point. So we had a rough morning. Market was down decisively and we rallied back slowly. The value side of the market was up roughly about a half a percent. The growth side of the market down slightly, especially large cap growth because of Microsoft, that was down about a quarter of a percent. So really a flat day overall is what I would call it. The uh, mid caps were up 0.15 percent, small caps up 0.19 percent. So if you were in the larger cap names, you definitely trailed the broader markets. Why I've been saying mid, small cap, those are areas you want to shift more capital into, better opportunities. And less overvaluation in general. You had gold up nicely today. That continues its hot start uh, of the year, and the dollar. The dollar also remains relatively weak. You had the 10 year that was down just a, sl- just a, a s- smudge, smidge, smidge. There we go. A smidge today. Um, so not a whole lot of movement in the bond market overall. Uh, I still expect kind of near term bullishness. You don't really see anything that's. That's creeping up That's saying, oh, the risk off part of the year is straight ahead. But you always have to be on watch, right? We haven't seen the yield. We haven't seen yield spreads on corporates, for example, widen out. You haven't seen the VIX start to trend higher. You haven't seen the dollar start to trend higher. Uh, All of those things are are good kind of canaries in the coal mine that, hey, uh, this we're in a rally phase, but that's going to end soon. None of those are flashing those. Yellow signals near term. So just wanted to give you that quick perspective. Uh, And a lot of this has to do, I still say, debt ceiling. More liquidity coming into the market through the Treasury General account being spent uh, and wound down until there's a resolution to it. And then suddenly government's going to start to issue more debt and pull capital out of the markets. So I think the news of a resolution to the debt ceiling would probably be a negative event, all things considered. Uh, but that doesn't seem like it's going to happen soon, soon, right? They're talking, but probably at least a couple weeks away from a resolution. Now we're heading into a break. I welcome your participation. No question is too simple or too complex. You call the shot. So when you call with your questions, you drive this show, which is a mess talk. So give me a call now at 888 99 chart.
2: In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need Invest Talk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each Invest Talk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download. And hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real time data research and years of investing experience. 24 7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk
3: 888
2: 99 Chart.
3: Everybody wants a secure financial future, but getting there takes strategy and discipline. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart.
0: Steve,
4: uh, Justin, I would like your opinion about these two stocks the Palo Alto Network and the iShare Cyber Security. I-H-A-K. I would very much like to hear what you think about these two and which would be your preference. Thank you. I will be listening. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Looking at a single security, which would be Palo Alto Networks, or IHAC, which is an ETF, iShare Cybersecurity and Tech ETF, neither are, I would say, both are in the growth side of the market. Kind of mid-cap growth type of stocks or funds, so probably not the best place to be overall. Uh, you're probably you're getting a counter trend rally, which is which is good. But this also depends on: do you want diversity or do you want a more targeted play? That's the really the first question you have to ask yourself. Now, Palo Alto Networks, very good company. Let me take that back. Good company, uh, a kind of up and down. History of profitability, which worries me. Look at return on assets. Assets have been pretty much negative its an entire life. That worries me. Why is that? Cash flow has been positive. So is this more of an accounting metric? I'm not sure. Um, but it's a it's a good it's a good business overall. Uh, no debt, which I like. But it is trading still on the expensive side. Six point six times price to sales ratio. That's still pretty expensive. The technicals are improving but still in a downtrend. So this is more of this is kind of comparing apples to oranges in the same space, right? Palo Alto Networks is also in cybersecurity, but you're not getting the diversity there. It depends on what you're looking for. Safer plays IHAC the more aggressive place would play would be. Palo Alto Networks. Me, myself, I rather go with Palo Alto over iHack because you're going to get a lot of bad with the good in those funds. Now, my focus point today concerns the story what you need to know about real estate funds, private REITs, and B REIT, and that's the Blackstone Real Estate Trust. And, you know, real estate exposure, as we talked about on Monday, is a very common. Asset class to own in a portfolio, and there's nothing wrong with owning real estate to some degree. And we talked on Monday, if you didn't listen to that show, about whether owning real estate directly versus a REIT type of setup that's more hands-off. Well, this is digging into the REIT side. Should you be invested in private REITs or public REITs? Public REIT mutual funds, which are easy and it's the, probably the simplest way to get exposure to a diversified set of real estate assets. Now, last year, the Morningstar... REIT index was down about 26%. So, worse than the S&P, but that's kind of expected with higher interest rates. Now, BREE, the Blackstone Real Estate Trust, it reports an 8.4% gain for the first 11 months of 2022, but then in December they gated redemptions. Now, remember, the big issue with these private REITs is that they can value the Ownership of the of these buildings of these this real estate at whatever they kind of want. Now, I wouldn't say completely, but in in general, they there's no mark to market here. Right. Whereas if you own a real estate mutual fund, they're only investing in public REITs. They're not investing in private REITs pretty much. So they get day to day feedback from the market on what are the value of those underlying REITs in the public markets. So that's how they really differ. Now, private REITs or B-REIT uh, can hold up to 20% of assets in real estate fixed income instruments, including corporate bonds, mortgages, commercial mortgage-backed securities, and collateralized debt obligations. And it pays out monthly, which a lot of uh, public REITs, they only pay quarterly, uh, but some of them do pay monthly. But that 20% sliver m- automatically makes private REITs more risky, but also more nimble. So they can do things that will kind of op- can offset the a down market. For example, B REIT bought some interest rate derivatives in order to make money as interest rates went up. And so that helped uh, their performance overall. But still, that plus 8% is probably not exactly reality, okay? Now, one big issue here is liquidity. Open and mutual funds, very, very liquid, whereas private REITs, not so much. There are restrictions on how much they can distribute to shareholders uh, buy back the shares from shareholders each quarter and basically be read reach that maximum in the fourth quarter and they cut off redemptions and that's the issue is during easy time, good times things are great but it's during the tough times where you might need liquidity that's where these private reads kind of fall flat on their face and oftentimes what they say it's worth is not actually what you're gonna get once you do go to sell now we're going into a quick break. Bill from San Diego, hang on, you will be next on Invest Talk at 888.99 Chart.
3: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
1: We're going to head down to San Diego and we're going to talk to Bill. He's looking at Textronics.
4: Yes, it's DXTM. Oh, diabetic- okay. Wrong one.
1: TXTM?
4: Yes. If you're diabetic, it makes a device that eliminates the finger strip stick.
1: I see. Okay. D E Dexcom D X C M. Okay. Yes. I I know this well, uh fairly fairly well. I have uh friends that actually work in the diabetes industry, work for a company called uh it's a private company, um called Twin Health and they use AI and things like that to, uh, basically cure diabetes. And I believe Dexcom is one of the devices they use in that whole process. Um, so I'm familiar with it. I'm also familiar with how expensive the company is trading at $104 per share. It's supposed to make a dollar seven this year. So you're talking about a hundred times forward looking earnings, not exactly cheap. Uh, You're looking also at a price-to-sales ratio at 15 and a half. Also, extremely expensive. And technicals remain in a downtrend. So, interesting name. I've actually looked at this just after talking to him. And I can't make the numbers work. It's just drastically overpriced. And so... One to keep on your watch list, but not to buy anytime soon.
4: Okay. Thanks for your advice.
1: No problem. Thanks for the call. Now let's talk about the dollar. The dollar. And in today's world, geopolitics uh, reign supreme once again, unfortunately. And that means that the existing world order may be changing. And that means investors have to discount. Different types of risks than they have in the past. China is trying to write new rules, deploying the Belt and Road Initiative, in order to gain control globally. They have a relationship with Moscow and Iran, and late last year they had their first summit between China and the Gulf Cooperation Council and OPEC Plus. And I've talked about this many times, that this likely is the start of a multipolar world. One world, two systems, three systems, we'll see. And the odds are good that if there is a rise to a different pole in our financial system, it's going to be not with the dollar, not using the dollar. And therefore our international monetary system is. Changing. And the two main ways is de dollarization efforts and central bank digital currencies. Now, de dollarization means getting around the use of the dollar in its various forms. And a lot of that has to do, it started with quantitative easing post financial crisis when suddenly treasury rates were no longer 5, 6, 7, 8%, they were 2%. And on a real basis, it was negative. So if you're talking about the impact of our debt on the global financial system, this is where it starts to bite or has been biting really for over a decade. And Over the past year, China and India have been paying for Russian commodities in renminbi, rupees, and UAE uh, dirhams. And recently, during uh, that meeting, China asked the Gulf Gulf the Gulf Coast, I always forget the name of the GCC, called the GCC, Gulf Cooperation Council. There we go. Countries to make full use of Shanghai's petroleum and natural gas exchange settled in Renminbi. And to do that over the next three to five years. So that hasn't started in earnest, but it looks like it is starting. And remember, because we are energy independent, we are no longer the biggest buyer of Middle East oil. China is. They import 80% of their energy. And now CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, that's also going to be a threat. Why? Because of sanctions. The financial sanctions that we have put on Western banks to deal with certain... "Quote unquote enemies, people or countries that we don't uh, politically agree with. Well, they're not going to sit idly by. They're going to they're creating their own system. And half of the world's central banks are exploring and developing digital currencies with pilots or some type of research. That's according to the IMF. And so all of this means that in finance, everything is about the marginal flow." of assets and 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 money. And so it's about the flow into treasuries. The less trade is invoiced in US dollars, there's dwindling recycling of those dollars into dollar based assets. And so this is a trend that you really have to watch. And this is why I think we may have reached peak dollar last year. Now, the next invest talk. the story behind this question should investors put fear aside and focus on valuations? I'll give you my thoughts on this tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein and ready to take your questions live at 888.99 Chart. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, K E R O N E dot com, hackerone dot com.
2: One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts, and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99-CHART.
1: We're going to go up to the Bay Area and talk with Roger. He's looking at OLN or CUBE. Hi, Justin.
4: Uh, uh, Yeah, like I said, I was looking to increase my exposure towards materials and real estate. I know looking at these two tickers, uh, would like to know your opinion, which among these two would make more sense right now.
1: Well, both are, compared to a lot of the other opportunities out there, relatively attractive. Now, Olin makes chloral alkali and small caliber ammunition products. Uh, The big issue here is just the history of the business is very up and down. So it's kind of over-earning right now, and earnings are expected to correct this year, down 31%. But still, if it makes $6.09, which is the current estimate, that's still... A nine board PE, which is pretty low. Uh, but where is that really going to level out at? Remember, pre-pandemic they only make; they were actually losing money. Twenty nineteen, they only made two dollars in twenty eighteen. So if they go back to making two, that's a big issue. So I'd really have to do a deeper dive on the industry: is why are they over-earning right now, and is that going to be persistent? I'm always weary of these names that did great during the pandemic, and now their earnings are mean reverting. History says the the number one predictor of profitability is historical. You know, profitability going forward is historical profitability. So what was the average return equity? 11% the last five years. Now it's at 55. So I think there's still a lot of mean reversion to go. So I'd probably pass on Olin because of that. And Cube, this is a self-storage REIT. And it's corrected pretty significantly. Take a look at, yeah, it's gone from $57 or so, hit a low around 37, now it's at 43. And if you look at its multiples, it's trading at uh, enterprise value even at 19, which is right around its long-term average. So I'd say it's fairly valued now. It's kind of corrected a lot of its overvaluation And so I would say it's fairly valid. If I'm picking one or the other, I'm picking Cube just because I like the longer-term consistency of its business. Uh, Whereas Olin, that one is more up in the air. With more research, I may like it. It would really have to be how sticky is that earnings and how much is it going to mean revert. Thanks for the call. Now let's make it two in a row and swing back to the Vestock Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from a listener in Virginia.
4: Hello, Stephen, Justin. This is Steve from Virginia. I want to ask you about Hack ETF H as A C K ETF. I have this ETF, and I'm wondering if I should sell now or keep it. Thank you for all you do. Bye bye.
1: All right. This is the ETFMG Cyber Prime Cybersecurity ETF. This is similar to that previous caller who was asking about how it's networks or iHack I-H-A-K. So this is similar to and uh, about a 60 basis point expense ratio, which is a little on the higher end, but not too bad. Uh, but it's also in the growth side of the market, which, as you know, not a great place to be. Now you're getting a little bit of a bounce here from the whole space. Uh, but in general, this bounce has been pretty meager, to be honest with you. It's just been trending sideways since the low in October, whereas the markets had a more substantial bounce. And that just shows you that this is not the place to be. Okay, so I would sell it. I would move on. You want to be in the value side of the market, as we've been saying for a while. And this is firmly on the growth side. So you want to these fad ETFs, these ETFs that have. Sexy names like cybersecurity. Ooh, cybersecurity is important. That should be a great place to invest. No, that's not how you think about these things. It's not how you do this. It's not just about following a headline or following the the title of a, a fund. It's about understanding the flows, understanding the economic backdrop that we're in, understanding the valuation that these things are trading at. And what drives those valuation? You know, the movement in in stocks can be for two reasons. There are two reasons why stocks move. One is earnings are going up or down. That's number one. Number two is multiple contraction or expansion. Those are the two reasons. So you need to know, one, whether earnings are going up or down. And you need to know, two, is what is the economic backdrop that will change the underlying multiple the market's willing to pay for those particular stocks? The reason why I tech did so poorly last year was earnings expectations were falling. So that was part of it really throughout the year, more than a lot of other sectors like energy, which is going up. And then interest rates are going up, and that affects the multiple negatively on almost every part of the market, but most especially the growthier side. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that just the multiples started at a higher level. And so there's more contraction to be had. And guess what? There's still more multiple contractions we had in many parts of the market. Including cybersecurity. So yes, I'd be selling hack. And to go back to that previous caller about iHack or Palo Alto Networks, I know I picked Palo Alto, but neither are ones that I'd be interested in to buy right now. Thanks for the call. Now, speaking of sectors, let's talk a little bit about the insurance industry the health insurance industry. And remember Obamacare? Well, that was mainly written by healthcare lobbyists, healthcare insurance lobbyists, and that's why they made so much money since then. But there's parts of the government that are now pushing back on the stranglehold that they've had on government payments for health insurance. And especially Medicare. And you can see that as of late. Industry behemoth United Health. They reported earnings. Earlier this month. 12% increase in revenues. That was better than analysts expected. But what happened? The stock is down. It's down 8.2% for the year. And the big question is why? Well first is. A lot of them priced to perfection. They're trading at high multiples. UNH has been trading at a excessive multiple for a while now. But it's been growing reasonably well, like low low teens. And the market's been fine with that. But there's trouble brewing when it comes to government action on Medicare Advantage plans. And this is a very profitable part of the insurance market for insurers. The average gross margin for Medicare Advantage plans were double those of plans in the general health insurance marketplace. And as more and more seniors, boomers retire and get on Medicare, age into Medicare, well, they go and buy these plans. But there's been some questionable practices around what's driving up this profitability and it's coming under increasing scrutiny and the government's starting to make changes that are likely to affect the bottom line. On February 1st, there's gonna be a revision to Medicare's auditing system. I know this is kind of boring, but it's keeping insurance executives up. And basically not only could the way the government pays for things like fee-for-service adjusters, uh, et cetera, these things are going to potentially be applied retroactively. Basically saying, not only are we going to pay for this differently, we're going to audit this differently and pay you less going forward, but we're going to go backwards as well. And we're going to claw back what was paid to you because it wasn't calculated correctly. So the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services ultimately believes it's overpaying. And they're going to adjust pay rates for next year. That's one way they can do it. Now, there could be likely be litigation here, but this is something that's going to start to be an overhang for the industry. If companies are heavily reliant on Medicare Advantage plans, it's a big red flag right now. And you add on top of that, historically, during tightening cycles, meaning slower economies, and this is going back to understanding the broader economy, health insurers tend to do well because they tend to be non-cyclical and the economy tends to be weakening when the Fed's in a tightening cycle. 2004, 2006, 2015 to 2018, and March of, of last year until now, insurers did better than the market as a whole. But when the Fed tightening cycle ends, they start to underperform. So companies like United Health, Elevance, Humana, all of these are companies that you need to be weary of in this environment. Not only because we're entering an economic cycle where the Fed's no longer tightening, but we're also entering a cycle where the government's scrutinizing the way that they're paid. And that's the big issue here. And I've said this for a while. That's why I've always not loved the health insurers, because I know they're making way too much money. And eventually the, market, the, the the government's going to, especially with our budget problems, the government's going to come in and start to really ratchet down on their margins. And I think you're just starting to see at the beginning of it. Well, there's no denying that we're in a new market, and time continues to march on, and smart investors understand that you need to adjust your thinking as well as your investment strategies so that you can reach your ultimate goal, which is financial freedom. And the question is, are you prepared for that day? Are you prepared to make those adjustments? Well, if you need help understanding whether your adjustments, your strategies are up to speed with professionals, with today's market, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peas at our company, KPP Financial, where we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients, and we practice unbiased guidance, both on and off air. And we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. we want to bring you along with our success. So I encourage you to reach out. And schedule a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting through InvestTalk.com or give our office a call at 800 557 5461. We'd love to help you in any way. The sooner we get on a call, the sooner we can help get your portfolio optimized. Now, next up, I will answer another caller question right here on InvestTalk. So hang on.
4: Hey, Steve and Justin. This is John from Southern Arizona. Thanks a lot for the show. Uh, I've been learning a ton. Uh, my question today is about my employer's four hundred one k. Sounds like a lot of four hundred one ks. There's not a lot of great options in there. You know, there's a couple of bond funds. There's some target dated funds. Mostly, the ones I'm looking at are index funds. There's an S and P index fund, and then two, one mid cap and one small cap, both of which are CRSP index um, but the one that really caught my attention i was hoping you guys could look up i believe the ticker symbol is d f f v x delta foxtrot oxtrot victor x-ray it looks like a blend of small and mid cap that is targeted more towards the value side of the market it's got over nine percent energy which is better than the S&P. A lot of industrials um, pretty high in financial services 27.6 percent But there's also a lot of micro-cap in there, which sort of had me concerned besides the small and mid-cap. So if you guys could take a look at that, see what you think. And also, if you have any rough guidance on how much to be overweight in something like this versus an S&P index or maybe a mid-cap index fund, boy, I'd really appreciate that kind of advice. So thanks for all you guys do. Appreciate it.
1: All right, looking at DFA U.S. targeted value. And DFA stands for Dimensional Fund Advisors. And I will say, this is kind of hits home because we actually have a new employee at KPP, and his name is Luke Guerrero. And he actually worked for DFA and he actually, I believe he helped uh, run this fund. So it's, it's a very good fund, four, four to five stars. Uh, it's a small cap value fund and about $12.4 billion in assets. Expense ratio about thirty basis points, which is which is solid, and you know if you're an aggressive investor, this is where you want to be, much better than the larger la- la- the the large cap funds that you're probably offered, and you know it is overweight financial services, but that's typical of a a value type fund, and it's overweight industrials eighteen percent, which we really like, only ten percent technology, nine percent energy eight percent basic materials much better than the overall indices so uh overall i i like it i'm going to give uh dfa u.s target value a thumbs up and we may get luke on the show here sometime this year now this is invest talk i'm justin klein and we have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break so get your questions in now at 888 chart
3: Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin and
4: Steve. This is Jim down in South Florida. I was calling to find out more about Veritiv Corporation, VRTV. I've been doing research on small caps, trying to find a good one to invest in. I came across this one. It pays a 2% dividend. It's a screaming buy everywhere. I look, you guys are really good at finding out the nitty gritty about a stock. And I was hoping you can give me some more insight on this one and tell me if it seems like a good investment. I've taken a tiny position in it, but I'd really like to expand my position. Thank you very much for all you do. And I look forward to hearing the reply.
1: Have a great one. Hmm. Okay. This is Verative Corp. They provide printing, publishing, packaging, and facility solutions. Print segment generates the majority of its revenue, commercial printing, especially paper. I've never heard of this one. So I'm trying to get up to speed, but the facility solution segment, it sells cleaning, ba- break room, bathroom safety and hazard supplies. I would imagine that's probably where they're getting a big boost in their earnings. They also have packaging products that sell paper-based packaging products. And from a environmental standpoint, that tends to be on the rise as well. My issue here is that this recent earnings, $23.50 for 2022, is supposed to be down 29% this year to $16.80. My worry is that this is gonna trend back to its pre-pandemic levels of losing 99 cents in 2018, losing a dollar eighty-four in twenty nineteen. They hadn't made money before the pandemic since 2016 when they made a dollar thirty. So even when they made money, they're only making a buck thirty, not great compared to its $116 stock price. So this is a tough one because where will earnings ultimately settle out at? If we're emerging from the pandemic, are there cleaning solutions going to be as in high demand? Maybe to a degree, maybe to a higher degree, but at what level? And earnings continue to come down. So it's an interesting name, but with a lot of these smaller cap names that are suddenly making a bunch more money, you really have to do a deep dive. I'd listen to every conference call. I'd read as many analyst reports as you possibly can, try to get a deep dive of what earnings, the earnings picture going forward is going to look like because it's extremely murky. And if you go to pre-pandemic levels, the return equity was negative most of the years. And even in good years, it was mid-single digits. So something structurally really has to be changing. And it can't just be, oh, we're in a pandemic. So a deeper dive is needed. And I need to have confidence in what those trend earnings will be. Not one year, not two year, trend over time. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on Wall Street and its revenue. And over the past three years, the business of trading stocks and bonds Underwriting securities, advising on m it's generated a ton of new revenue for the five major banks, JPMorgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley, the five largest investment banks. Those five brought in nearly $138 billion in revenue last year. That was 25% higher than the three years before the pandemic. So, things like market making, they're making a lot more money on, even though their IPO revenue has been dropping off. Their investment banking, their traditional investment making revenue, uh, dealing with M&As, issuing equities, issuing bonds, that's kind of on ice. We know that. So, what happens in a, a down equity market, down, down asset market? Companies don't want to go public at Poor valuations. They want to go public at high valuations. And so this is actually a net positive. You look at it, is that they're holding up relatively well compared to previous times where their traditional investment banking business has been has fallen off. So they found ways to kind of plug that hole and have a more diversified revenue stream. So Wall Street always finds a way make money and they've done that in spades over the past three years now i'm justin klein this completes another invest talk program steve peasley and i thank you for listening and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads which you'll find anytime at itunes spotify or google play and be sure to rate and review and now we are over the 49.2 million mark we're closing in on that 50 million mark thanks to you and be sure to rate and review on itunes independent thinking shared success this is invest Talk. good night
0: at 888-99-CHART.